Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in fabulous Las Vegas, where I am pleased to report I finally cashed in a World Series of Poker tournament. Now, it was not a big one. <laughs> not by any means. It's actually the smallest, one of the smallest tournaments I played. Uh, the very first tournament I played this summer feels like a lifetime ago, but it was the housewarming, and that one was $500. This one was $600. I was eager to play it because I love Pot Limit Omaha, and No Limit Hold'em combined. So this was a $600 mixed game deep stack tournament. It attracted a field of about 2,200 players. And I managed to finish in 238th place. So uh, just a few hundred bucks, but it felt good to finally get off the schneid. As you guys know, I've been playing every day basically and just usually not even making it to the first dinner break of day one. Uh, In this tournament, I did not make day two, but I managed to make it into the money. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of you guys are going to be really proud of me when I tell you this. Uh, I had a big stack and things were going great. I had uh, probably twice the average stack when I got into a big all-in pre-flop confrontation against a shorter stack. And I had a very, very strong Omaha starting hand. I had ace, king, queen, queen, double suited. So I was pretty happy to get it in against this shorter stack. And he ended up having just four rags. He had ace, king, nine, six with the king, nine of spades. And I had the ace queen of spades so he was in terrible shape this is one of the biggest favorites you can be in omaha (laughs) it's hard to be a big favorite pre-flop in omaha but i mean i had this hand pretty well locked up until the flop when of course he made three nines um so that was the hand that kind of took me down to the average stack and then a little while later i got it all in against another short stack shove with my ace nine versus his queen jack suited and he flopped a straight despite needing at least an ace or a nine to make a straight (laughs) blockers didn't help in that case so uh not to share bad beat stories but more to just tell you guys that you'll be proud of me because after all that happened i was in bad shape approaching the money bubble and i realized that it was folding time So we were about 35 places away from the money, which began at, I believe, 317 players. So yeah, we had something like 340, 350 players left, and my M was around eight. And I realized that there was a great chance I would cash, min cash in this tournament if I just folded everything. I folded some pretty strong hands too, ace, queen, pocket, eights. I did some folding (laughs) in spots where 
you know, Clayton of years past would have absolutely been trying to turn his 38,000 chips into 76,000 chips with a double up. But this is 2022 Clayton, and I know that there is very little difference between having 38,000 and having 76,000 when the average is well over 200,000. It's more important for me to just squeak into the money in this tournament and then see what I, what I can manage to do after that. So ICM played a huge role and I got into folding mode. I mean, I suppose I would have had to play aces or kings, but yeah, otherwise uh, you can pretty much fold. The risk is not worth it. So I did fold and you guys would be so proud. I min cashed and then some because after the money bubble burst, I still had a little bit of a stack and I picked up a couple of Omaha hands and, and made some chips back. And then I laddered up to the second level of the pay jumps. So I was pretty happy with that. I mean, had I kept my big stack and not taken those two bad beats right before the bubble, then I would have been playing a much different style and been more in my normal bubble abuse mode. But I was proud of myself for being able to change gears and fold strong hands and just make sure that I made it into the money. So that was great. And then the very next tournament that I played the next day was the win mystery bounty. And you guys know that ever since they first announced the idea of a mystery bounty pre-pandemic, I've been wanting to play in these mystery bounty tournaments. I've played a bunch of them this summer. I've had no success at all. Well, all of that changed yesterday as I record this on the morning of Friday, July 15th. I bagged last night, so I will have a shot at opening an envelope for the first time in my life containing a mystery bounty inside. So all of the uh, bad luck that we went through earlier in the summer seems to have shifted as I have now cashed in two consecutive tournaments. And who knows what will happen today, Friday, they are playing the third of three day ones. And then tomorrow we are all in the money and competing for those mystery bounty prizes that I've been so excited to just know what it feels like to open an envelope. So hopefully I'll manage to get an envelope or two and get that experience that I've been craving for so long. So let's talk a little bit about a couple of the hands that I played yesterday at the win. So the starting stack in this tournament is 30,000. And when the blinds were 1,000 and 2,000, I had only 30,000 in my stack and two folds to me. I have pocket deuces. I shove all in and just hope to take it down. The table was shorthanded, only eight players. And so uh, I think this is fine to shove. My M is five or six actually. So I think this is totally fine to shove here, push and pray. Maybe you get called by two over cards. You need to try to win a coin flip anyway. The average stack at this point is something like 75,000. So yeah, I have no problem with this play. I did have a problem with seeing those two sixes with which the big blind called my shove 
and now we are in trouble. We are an 18% underdog here trying to win with pocket deuces versus pocket sixes. And I was losing until the river, which was a beautiful deuce of diamonds to keep us in the game and probably the first truly lucky thing that has happened to me on the poker table this summer. And I'm not kidding. I haven't sucked out like that at all. In all the tournaments I played this summer, that was the first time that I've hit a miracle card. And I mean, obviously you don't expect to hit too many miracle cards, but guys, I've been playing a lot of poker. So this was a very welcome sight. I still had a below average stack, but at least I was in contention once again. And maybe 15 or 20 minutes later, we were joined by a player that I recognized, but I couldn't quite place. I know I had either met him before or played with him before or seen him on TV, but someone who looked familiar to me for some reason. And so I assumed that he was a competent player. He sat down to, to my left and had a lot of chips, maybe 200,000 or so. This one, the average was like 75 or 80. So he was doing great by any measure. And uh, we got into it kind of right away when the action folded to me in the small blind and I had Jack Deuce. Now, I know that we've discussed playing small blind versus big blind in the past. Um, I assume this guy is a pro and I assume that he will probably defend versus a raise at the proper frequency and with the correct hands and yada yada. So I'm just hoping to raise and take it. I don't want to limp in. I mean, there is one strategy that suggests that you should always limp your small blind, either limp or fold and basically never raise. My blind versus blind strategy, especially the first pot that I play against somebody is a little bit different than that. I do a ton of limping. I'll limp very strong hands, occasionally pocket aces, pocket kings, ace king, looking to limp and re-raise. I will also limp medium strong hands like pocket tens, pocket nines with the same intention, especially with this stack that I have now. I'm looking to limp, shove, and hope that my opponent will be too aggressive from the big blind, sensing weakness, limp in from the small blind. Uh, I also do a good bit of folding, uh, eight deuce, nine deuce, 10 deuce, eight tray, the very worst hands that don't even benefit from the attractive pot odds that you're getting in a situation like this where you have not only the big blind, the small blind, but also the big blind ante. So you're getting offered a very good price, but with truly garbage hands like those, I just wanna fold and grant the man his walk. So what is my raising strategy? Well, I'm going to raise some of the times with my premium hands, aces, kings, queens, ace, king. I'm going to raise some of the time with king, queen, king, jack, hands like that, that I'm also going to sometimes be limping, planning to call a raise rather than limp shove. So I guess what you would call a mixed strategy. And then with the raising hands from the small blind, I like to have some pure bluffs in there as well. I'm just trying to raise and take it with Jack Deuce, Jack Four, and Ten Deuce. Those are the only three hands that I will be raising with the intention of 
just taking the, the big blind and the big blind ante, and then if I get any action at all, I shut down. Obviously, you can sometimes flop something with these garbage hands, but I'm not too excited even when I flop a pair with jack four. <laughs> I don't know if you are or not. So yeah, I know this strategy is not on uh, anybody's chart or whatever, but it works for me because I need to have some bluffs in my raising range and I want to be able to raise with some of my premium hands, especially against an opponent that I know to be aggressive. So this guy strikes me as aggressive. He's uh, kind of got like reddish hair, uh, young guy, maybe around 30 years old, maybe a little younger. Um, and I feel like I've played with him before. So I kind of had a read that he might know me as well. And maybe he doesn't want to get into a big blind versus blind competition, especially not exactly knowing what's been going on at the table. And it just felt like a spot where I should raise and try to take it. And of course he shoved and I had to fold. <laughs> so welcome to the table, sir. I later found out that he is Jim Gilbert, who I played with in several sit and goes a few years back in the Bahamas at the behest of the late Norm MacDonald. Also featured in those sit and goes were Phil Helmuth, Joe Stapleton, and Matt Stout. So, yeah, that's where I knew the guy from. <laughs> it was Jim from those Bahamas sit and goes. So he uh, reminded me of that. He says to me at one point, aren't you a comedian? And I said, yeah, how do we know each other? And then he reminded me about the Bahamas. So uh, good to see you, Jim. And next, I had the button and had to fold to erase a junk hand. And the very next hand after that, I was now in the cutoff and the action folds to me. The blinds were 1,000, 2,000. And at this point I had about 60,000 in my stack. And this time I have the ace of clubs, four of clubs. I think this is uh, an automatic raise. And I made it 4,500 and Jim shoves again. And this time uh, he had more players yet to act behind, but let's just bear in mind, he's got over 200,000 in his stack and no one at our table had anywhere near that much. So he wasn't really risking that much. And I guess by the time I make it 4,500 and then there's 9,500 in there. And even if another player has 90,000 or so, it's, it's not that big a deal to Jim, who is probably thinking, if I can just run this whole table over, why don't I? Uh, so the blinds fold and now the action is on me. Do I want to call off my entire stack with the ace four suited? And I think it's actually a little closer than many of you might think it is, but I did fold. So uh, yeah, welcome to the table, Jim. Just help yourself to all my chips, why don't you? on the very next hand. Now with 55,000 in my stack, I picked up Ace-King offsuit. Ace of spades, King of diamonds. And now I actually have the kind of stack that you could consider just open shoving, 27-ish big blinds, but it's just a little too much. And also I would like to get some value 
for my ace king. Now I raise again and I'm hoping that Jim is in full attack mode and that he shoves one more time because believe me guys, I'm not folding ace king before the flop. However, Jim decides he's abused me enough and folds and the small blind also folds and now the big blind who is a young man, probably around 25 years old, uh, he looks high to me. Um, I've never seen him before. He strikes me as a player who has probably been in Vegas for too long, six or seven weeks now as we approach the end of this World Series of Poker. Uh, he looks a little bit bleary-eyed, and I think that he may be under the influence of cannabis or similar products. Uh, he calls, and he's got me well covered with uh, about 100,000 in his stack. So we are going to see a flop. He's actually on the button. I think I just misspoke and said the big blind. If so, let me clarify. This young man is on the button and then the blinds fold. And so I'm going to be out of position holding ace king and the flop comes queen of spades, jack of spades, five of diamonds. So queen, jack, five with two spades and hero has the ace of spades and the king of diamonds. So we've got two over cards, a gut shot and a back door flush draw. I think that's enough to bet with. A lot of our opponents pre-flop calling range will be with uh, you know small pairs, medium pairs, possibly even some suited connectors, although he shouldn't be calling this raise versus me with suited connectors because I just don't have enough chips to make speculating worthwhile for him. But who knows? Like I said, I do think he could be high. So I go for a C bet here. I bet 4,000 and my young friend decides to move all in. Now Ace King could be good here if he does have suited connectors or a hand like King 10, certainly possible. 10-9, uh, also open-ended. Um, it's unlikely that he has a flush draw just because I have that ace of spades so important. Uh, more likely he's got hand like queen 10 and my stack is short enough that he should be trying to get it all in versus me with top pair. So that's my best guess about what he had, but the bottom line is I'm not about to call off with ace high. So again, I have to fold my cards. And so things were <laughs> just not going well. Ever since Jim sat down at my table, I'm just getting beat up by Jim and now uh, another young man who is uh, just punishing my every move. So that was not so fun. And soon enough, I only had 30,000 in my stack once again. And at this point, the blinds were 1500, 2500, 2500. So there's already 6,000 in the middle. I have exactly five times that. And uh, the table, we lost a player and is now down to seven handed. So I am under the gun and I only looked at one card, the Ace of Diamonds. And I just moved my whole stack in. I don't think I'm gonna get a better spot than this, especially at this very aggressive table. I don't need to see what the other card is. And I actually, in these situations, I like not looking at the second card once I see that ace, because then if any of my opponents are talented 
readers of body language, etc., and I happen to be giving off tells of which I'm unaware, they can't really pick anything up because, hey, I don't even know what I have. <laughs> I just look at an ace. Of course, I make sure that it appears I'm looking at both of my cards, but I actually cover the second card with my thumb and just show myself that first ace. I would only do this in the case of an ace, especially under the gun. Any other starting card, I would want to see what is paired with it. So I shove and it folds all the way around to the big blind who is a very friendly, large man from Texas in his 40s, clearly a recreational player having a great time at the win where he probably has a deluxe high roller suite. He strikes me as a man with oil money. So he calls with ace 10 and now we need to see what does Clayton have that his tournament life is depending on and wouldn't you know it's another ace. So we got it in as good as you possibly can get it in. Aces versus ace 10 and we are a 93 or 94% favorite to win the pot which we do. He was actually drawing dead on the turn. So a beautiful double up there but even then my stack was only 60% of the average but at least I had a few chips to work with at that point now during the break from this tournament I took a little walk and I was doing some reflection and talking to myself uh, just about what a disappointing summer it had been and I'm wondering whether I've been thinking too much about my results. So here I am late in the day. It's after the dinner break. You know, it's getting down to the wire. There's only like 100 players left in my day one and 54 of them would be making it into the money. And I just started thinking, you know, let's be honest, Clayton, are you focusing too much on the results and not enough on your decisions? And I decided that there had been a few times during the day when I had an instinct telling me for whatever reason to do a certain thing that might be unconventional or unorthodox and I realized that I hadn't pulled the trigger in those moments and I thought that it could be possibly because I've done so much losing this summer that I might have gotten a bit gun shy about taking the type of risks that I normally take in tournament poker situations. So I vowed that for the rest of the day I would pull the trigger if my instincts told me to do so. Which sets us up for this hand that happened not right after the break, but uh, sometime after the break. There was a very, very nice, fun-loving guy, uh, probably in his mid-30s, uh, white guy, blondish hair, big smile on his face, kind of joking around a lot after every hand. Doesn't seem to be really sweating, like, am I going to cash in this thing or not and he's got a good number of chips maybe uh, 150 ish or so when the average would have been about 120 so he was doing fine there were something like 100 maybe 120 players left at this point and the blinds were 2,000 3,000 with a 3,000 big blind ante and this smiley happy dude that I just described opens for the minimum to 6,000 and the action folds to hero Clayton in the big blind with queen eight off suit. 
So I decide to call. I think this is a pretty clear defend, especially for that min raise, but I'm pretty short stacked, starting the hand with only 62,000. So the flop comes ace of spades, seven of spades, six of hearts, ace, seven, six with two spades. And I have no spades. I just have queen eight offsuit with no spades. I check and my opponent bets 4,000 into the 20,000 pot. And I'm just, I can't explain it guys. I just didn't believe him. Um, I, I do have some backdoor potential here. So if I want to do something, I have three to a straight. So I do have some potential to do something. I, I just, that's not why I made the play that I made. It's just, you know, based on my read. And I can't really explain this. I just didn't believe my opponent. And I felt like this 4,000 was uh, just hoping that Clayton missed the flop and also knowing that the ace is better for his range than it is for mine, yada, yada. I didn't believe the guy. So I check-raised him to 11,000. I mean, now I'm going to make this play when I have two pair, like 7-6 or ace-6 that I didn't want to three-bet pre-flop. These weak aces are definitely in my defending range off of this stack so I can have some aces in my range of course um, I would also probably do this with a flush draw so if he happens to call the check raise and then another spade comes off on the turn I can represent that card which is a bit dangerous just because we don't have any spades in our hands so we we don't have the blockers that we want to have against him having a flush but yeah, I just felt like that 4000 on the flop, I didn't believe it, and I had promised myself that the next time I had an instinct that was a strong one, that I was going to follow it. So I check-raised to 11000 and my opponent looked unhappy, and I believed that he was unhappy, but somehow he called anyway. And the turn was the Ace of Hearts, pairing the board, so now our board is Ace seven six ace with two spades and two hearts and this is not a good card for me to continue i think the solver would say that once we get called on the flop we have to give up on this turn card which doesn't really change anything at all but again i followed my read and not just the math and what the computers would say i decided to continue barreling now this is getting awfully dangerous because if I fire again, remember I only start this hand with 62,000 in my stack. So it's not like we have a lot of chips and a lot of wiggle room to be going out here on a limb. But I just threw all that away, guys. And I said, look, I have poker instincts. I've been playing this game for a long time. I can tell that my opponent did not like getting check raised on the flop and did not like seeing another ace come off on the turn. So I just went ahead and, and double barreled him. I put in 16,000, leaving myself, by the way, with only 32,000 behind, which is <laughs> pretty crazy when you think about it. However, I followed my instincts and my opponent folded. And so that was a hand that was absolutely not by the book. And that many of you are sitting there saying there is no circumstance in life that would caused me to play that same hand that same way and to you I say I respect you very much 
and you don't have to follow your instincts in the same way that I do and perhaps you don't have these types of instincts like I do I just knew that I should pounce on that spot and I can't exactly explain completely why let's do two more hands from this win mystery bounty tournament because I do have two more that I think are kind of fun uh, the next one is in the same vein at this point there were 108 players remaining in my day one and 54 would get paid so exactly half of the remaining field will get paid the average stack at this point was 137,000 and hero had 112,000 when the blinds were 2,000 4,000 with 4,000 big blind ante which means our M is 11.2 at that point so uh, folds to us in the cutoff with the king of clubs nine of hearts and I open it for the min raise and only the big blind who is the player I mentioned earlier that I thought may be under the influence of THC or similar calls now this player has only 65,000 total in his stack so he's pretty short and every pot matters very much to him especially as we near the end of the day not exactly near but we're getting there this day started with 496 players and we're down to almost the final 100 and we've got the king of clubs nine of hearts and the flop comes queen of clubs six of hearts deuce of clubs queen six deuce with two clubs hero holding the king of clubs nine of hearts and opponent checks I decide this is a perfectly fine flop for a C bet. This is a flop that misses almost everything. Um, it's possible that my opponent could have a queen in his hand, but if he doesn't, I should usually be able to barrel him off of whatever he's got. He's not going to want to lose this tournament with second pair. So this just feels like a spot where I want to put maximum pressure on him. I decide to bet small on this flop. just. 6,000. Remember the uh, big blind was only 4,000. And my opponent check raises to 21,000. So we're sitting here with king high. We've got king nine on queen six deuce. We do have backdoor clubs, but even that isn't to the nuts. And it just feels like our instincts should be telling us to fold our hand. However, my instincts did not tell me to fold my hand. My instincts said, look, this flop probably didn't hit him. Also, it probably didn't hit you. There are no two pair combos. I don't think that he's calling me pre-flop with queen six. Maybe he is. Um, of course, he could have a set of deuces, but why didn't he just try to get it all in before the flop if he had that? Because look, by the time I put in 8,000, there's 18,000 in the middle. He's only got 65,000 in his stack. I think that he's a good enough player to shove any pair correctly in this situation versus my cutoff open, particularly with the somewhat loose aggressive image that I had cultivated fairly or not at this table. It just doesn't feel like my opponent should be just flatting with any pair. Maybe pocket aces just to be that guy 
But yeah, even then, I think he's better off trying to build a pot pre-flop. Anyway, my instincts told me, I don't believe you. I don't care what I have. It's more important what you have. And I moved all in. Of course, it's not enough to put me all in. It's just enough to put him all in. But had he made the call, about half my stack would have been at risk with king high, no pair. All in, and I'm hoping that he folds, and he folds rather quickly. So I think that check raise was just a little bluff, a little test maybe, or perhaps he had a little piece of the board, but he obviously didn't want to get broke with it. So that was probably my favorite hand that I played all day because I follow my instincts. And yeah, of course, a little confirmation bias never hurts, right? I mean, I... I followed my instincts in these two pots we just went over, and I happened to win both of them, which makes me feel like, Clayton, you should always follow your, your genius instincts because they're so perfect, which I'm not dumb enough to think that's the case. It's just there's a bit of run good going on here, but there was something intangible that I pick up when I'm really on top of my game, and sometimes I don't listen to what my instincts are telling me. I vowed to do so in this tournament, and as we now know, I'm in the money. So, uh, yeah, not to be too results-oriented, but I don't think that it's possible to completely separate the results from the process. All right, so one more hand uh, for this episode, and then you guys can wish me luck in my day two tomorrow when I'm really hoping to bust at least one player and just have one little envelope to open, the maximum prize is $100,000 in one of these envelopes. So uh, that would be a good one to grab, don't you think? Anyway, so here's another hand. We have now been joined by several new players as tables are consolidating. And with 79 players remaining in the tournament or at least this starting day and 54 will advance to day two and be in the money the average stack was 188,000 and hero has 125,000 the blinds are now 3,000 5,000 with 5,000 big blind ante so there is 13,000 in the middle and we have 125 which means that our M is right around 11, which I think it was in the previous hand as well. So uh, we're sticking with that M of 11. We uh, pick up Ace of Diamonds, 10 of Spades in the hijack. We min raise it to 10,000. Jim on our immediate left calls. Not too happy to see that. And now one of the new players who recently joined our table on the button also calls. Now let me describe this opponent. She is uh, in her 40s. Um, she seems uh, a bit agitated, maybe a little bit energetic, uh, something going on, like a little bit of a frenetic energy to her. Uh, she's got a huge stack. She's got something like 300,000 in her stack and she seems to be hyper aware of her surroundings like she her eyes are darting all around she seems yeah she's just kind of got like almost like a manic energy to her uh medium length blonde hair definitely a memorable opponent just in that she's not exactly what we expect from uh poker players 
which I love that, by the way. As many of you know, my mother was a poker player for many, many years. And I love when there's somebody at the table that's not just a 25-year-old kid with a backpack and sunglasses and a beard. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I like seeing that, and I'm glad that she's here in the tournament. She seems a little over her head, but maybe that's just uh, you know an initial read. It could end up being wrong. So uh, she hasn't been at the table for very long, but she already got caught bluffing once on the very first hand as soon as she sat down. So... I don't have much information about her, but she seems agitated, energized, frenetic, and possibly hyperactive. Uh, the blinds fold, so it's just going to be me, Jim, and this woman. And so with 43,000 in the middle, the flop comes Ace of Spades, King of Diamonds, Jack of Diamonds, and I decide that well okay i have a lot of options here it's a great flop for us obviously we have ace of diamonds ten of spades so we've got top pair a gut shot and a backdoor nut flush draw so this is a, a great flop i always hate being out of position with th this type of hand i don't really want to bet and get raised because i'm afraid i'll have to just go with it with this stack size uh you know we have uh, about 60 percent of the average stack we've got top pair and two opponents both of whom seem perfectly capable of trying to bluff us off of top pair if they are so inclined so for all of those reasons i decide to check i'm trying to basically control the pot size a little bit and also give both of my aggressive opponents a, an opportunity to bluff now another good reason to make this same decision would be just to protect our checking range Right, so many of the hands with which we open from the hijack won't really like this flop, and so those hands will be checking and folding. You don't want to be checking and always folding. So here's a spot where I have a strong enough hand to either call or raise after having checked. So I'm going to check and, and protect my hand that way. So yeah, I check and Jim checks, and this lady I described decides to put in 15 thousand so uh, I can check raise certainly uh, her button betting range would include second pair third pair flush draws you know any type of combo draw like a pair and a straight draw so she's got a lot of hands that can't beat ace 10 that would have bet this flop after everybody checked to her especially when I think that she may be and over bluffer but i'm not going to put too much credence on that suggestion simply because i don't have enough information she hasn't been here that long so i decide to just call the fifteen thousand, and then to my delight jim who's a good player gets out of my way so he folds and i'm left with just this one opponent and the turn comes the six of clubs uh, yeah, this is a great card for me to check again. Maybe she'll bluff again. Um, perhaps she'll make a value bet with a worse ace. I think checking against this opponent is the play. So that's what we do. And she puts in 30000 Now, yeah, guys, I'm not going to lie. Some part of me is concerned that I'm beat. She could have King Jack. She could have Queen 10, although we do block that one a little bit. She could have Ace Queen, although... 
you know, my early read is that she's the type that would have three-bet that, especially after Jim called between us. Uh, but we can't rule it out completely. There are some hands that we are behind, especially when she double barrels. But with my top pair and a gut shot straight draw, um, I'm not folding. So I call, and now I only have another 50,000-ish behind. So uh, let's see what happens on the river. Well, not too much suspense here. It's the queen of spades giving us the stone cold nuts, the Broadway straight, and we decide to check once more. I want her to keep barreling. I hope that she has nothing and she realizes that she can only win this pot if she represents that queen. I don't think I can get much value by betting unless she has specifically a pair of aces, but even that hand might get greedy and try to value bet once more on the river. So I check and she immediately goes all in in a very aggressive way and I'm thrilled to call with the nuts and she turns over the king seven of clubs so she just had second pair and decided to go three barrels with it and that was the big hand that finally put me over the average stack for the very first time since the very beginning of the tournament and what good timing because after that there were only like 75 ish players remaining in day one and i ended up bagging about 20 percent over an average stack at 287,000 chips and i can't wait to get back to the win poker room tomorrow and see how this one ends up shaking out 104 players have made it to day two in the first two starting days and I'm currently in 37th place. That'll do it for this episode. I want to encourage you guys, if you enjoy this podcast, please give us that five-star review either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. It means so much to us as we try to climb the ranks of the poker podcast charts. And for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I wanna hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Love it, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun.